All right, welcome back to Dynasty Kings. This is your host, Mike Valerie. You can find me on Twitter at FF underscore Dirty Mike. Now let's go ahead and dive in, all right? So we talked about the wide receiver class last week. This week we're talking about the running back class. Now, me and Jake like to do, you know, analytically driven takes, stuff like that. So uh, Jake is our regression guy. He runs the analysis. Now he uses regression to predict fantasy football success. So he looks at top players at each position. We're going back a few years, gathers a list of top players, and we look at college stats and metrics to understand which ones actually had a correlation to more fantasy points. Um, now, this has nothing to do with like players regressing. It just points out like actual indicators of success. Now, today's topic is running backs. So let me tell you what the measures that we find that actually correlate um, to fantasy success. That's going to be draft capital, which has the biggest emphasis uh, burst score, which we really don't know until the combine. And then we have dominator rating, yards per carry, and target share, right? Now, Jake and I both like to target workhorse backs. You know, it's it's fine if you want to pass catching back. If you're in a full PPR league, those guys can be relevant, but uh, they're not like league winners. They're not going to become top tens in the class. Uh, they'll flash. You know, James White had one good year. Nyaim Hines, I think, ended last year, like RB20. Like, so those guys are valuable. It's just not who we're targeting in our rookie drafts. And so we want to identify or help you identify how to like target your running backs. All right, so these metrics are, yeah, I already went through that. Okay. All right, so RB1 for the class for me is gonna be uh, Brees Hall. Um, Brees Hall was uh, it's a semifinalist for the Heisman last year. Uh, I think he does it all. He has a great dead leg technique, kind of reminds me of prime Le'Veon Bell. Um, Almost got the Heisman age of 19. He's a top six candidate. He makes one arm grabs. I mean, he just, I think he's just great. He kills it. He absolutely kills it. Um, now, if you're thinking Isaiah Spiller is your RB1, that's fine too. A lot of this stuff's going to be draft capital driven once the data comes out. Um, yeah, but Bruce Hall just, he's, he's six foot one, 215. Oh, man, I forgot about that earlier. One metric that I forgot to list off earlier is size matters. So I was talking about pass catching backs. Size absolutely matters at the NFL level. These these um you know these GMs they look for the actual size. So Jake and I both like our running backs to be five foot eight and taller and having two hundred and ten pounds. And like let me just give you some examples of guys that are under that size from the past. You got like Devin Singletary. He's five foot seven, two hundred three. Like no one's excited about owning him in fantasy football. Darrell Henderson, who didn't really get his opportunity until Cam Akers went down. Is five foot eight, two oh eight. Um, Miles Sanders makes it over that line, but you know I, the list can go on about size. Like, Clyde is hilarious. He got the earliest draft capital, and he's oh, he's five foot seven, two oh eight going out into the draft. That, that's just a pass catching back in disguise. He's absolutely not a workhorse, um, and and that's kind of why you don't see his production go that way during the season, and and that's why we stay away from those backs. Now I will say this: there are undersized backs that do absolutely perform. Um, uh, an example of Christian McCaffrey, but Christian McCaffrey was like a top six overall pick. Like I'm not going to fade a top six overall pick, like no matter what. Um, you got Austin Eckler's a little small. He's a UDFA. Like, you know, there's no draft capital there. You can't predict that. I mean, he just, he just showed out, you know, uh, James Robinson's another one too. Um, so just for the most part, these are big indicators for us. Uh, draft capital too. So some guys in the later rounds that worked out, Chris Carson was a six round pick. Um, Devontae Freeman was a fourth round pick. Devontae Freeman is the only successful fourth-round pick, by the way, the last 10 years. So everyone that's, like, stuck on uh, Michael Carter, I, I would move on. I'd sell him if you could. 
because he's also undersized too, I believe. Um, okay, sorry. Now I'm going to get into Breesaw. RB1 makes one-handed catches. He has a six foot one, two fifteen. He's just 20 years old, just turned 20 end of summer. He has a 45% dominator rating uh, as of right now. As in for the current season, for four weeks in, he has a 45.4% dominator rating with a 4.9 yards per carry, and he has a 12% target share. Now, those are elite numbers. He is absolute workhorse. The offense runs through him, around him, and defenses know this, and he's still rocking off five yards per carry almost. Um, now, 4.9 is nothing to like be impressed with. Uh, he currently has a touchdown run going for, I think it's 18 straight games. No, 16, 16, 16 straight games with a touchdown. Uh, the dude's just absolutely great. Great vision, uh, great speed, great twitch. I, I don't think there's anything that he doesn't do. And the only reason why I have him above Isaiah Spiller, my RB2, which I'll just roll into right now, is that I think he's a better receiver. Isaiah Spiller is a little bigger at six foot one to 25. And I think if he lost a little weight, he could work on his speed, uh, which is a concern for me. It's his ability for speed, but he is definitely a lot more power in his running than Bruce Hall. Um, so he can push piles and make a hole. Um, but for the most part, both these guys are, are locked in. They're going to be the first two running backs off the board. Absolutely. Um, just to list off Isaiah Spiller's stats, he, his 2021 dominant rating is a 29.2% with 8.2 yards per carry and a 7.7% target share. I mean, it's early in the season. These stats can change, I understand. Um, but for now, these are the numbers that they got. So, and the Spiller has really great contact balance, too. He's tough to tackle. Um, he's a big guy that can do cuts, too. It's, just, it's pretty wild. He's just a great all-around back. Now, I'm just going to like breeze over Breeze Hall and, and Isaiah Spiller because I think they're everyone's lock top two. So absolutely nothing fancy there. Now, my RB3... Um, I'm with Brandon Lejeune here. If you ever follow him, it's uh, well, it's Debbie deep dive, and he does great stuff. He does great cutups of game film. If you want to get into film watching, he's absolutely a guy to help you out. Um, but RB three for me is Tyler Algier of BYU. Now Tyler Algier is great. He is he's a zero star recruit. He is a walk on. He got no offers in college uh, to go to college. Now he started off as a redshirt freshman, so nothing happened there. Um, he was a linebacker. And then they asked him to go to running back, which is what he was in high school. Uh, he's 5'11 at 220. I can't find his age online. Uh, but his dominant rating for the season so far is 25.3%, 4.3 yards per carry, and a 4.5% target share. Now, his numbers have gone down from last year, and it's a little disappointing because last year it was, he was just absolutely electric. Um, he was my RB3 going into the offseason. But... His last year numbers were uh, 7.5 yards per carry. And he's just amazing. Uh, just absolutely just killing it. He is 220 pounds, 5'11", and just has absolute great twitch and great speed. Um, in the offseason, he claimed that he clocked an unofficial 4.3940. And a guy that can move that fast, he has, he has a physical profile very similar to Jonathan Taylor. Um, and if he can find a system that he can fit in, I think I think uh, the the sky's the limit for him. Um, so I, if he just continues his production right now for this year, he's going to be absolutely nobody special. I think BYU has him splitting carries, which I'm not a fan of. Um, I mean, because he still looks good out there. There's no reason to split carries. But I think he'll come through the combine. He's going to destroy it. He's going to get a lot of publicity at that point in time. I think he'll get uh, day two, day well, day one or day two draft capital, which is what we target is day one and day two draft capital. 
right, so RB4 here. Uh, is this year's uh, revived career of, of Zach Charbonneau of, uh, of UCLA? Uh, he's a former four-star crew. He's transferred from Michigan. You know, Michigan's just, you know, the Adam Gates of, of college football, pretty much where talent goes to die. He transferred out. Good for him. Uh, went to UCLA and he's just absolutely taken off so far. We're only a couple games in this season, but he's six foot one, two twenty. Uh, his dominant rating is a thirty one point one percent, and his yards per carry is a seven point eight yards per carry with an eleven percent target share. So this guy has shown true workhorse ability. He has the size. Um, he's a power back with speed. Not a lot of like lateral agility in him, but this guy has great. Uh, excuse me. He has uh, great speed and great great pad level. He's great contact balance. Um, he does make cuts, but he, uh, he doesn't really lose much speed on his cuts. And that's what's amazing about him is that he doesn't lose that speed. It's not like he has to do like stop and start. It's kind of like just a little bit of speed, and he gets back up into gear right away. And that's what I love is that Zach Charmer. He is absolutely climbing on my board right now. Um, just just for comparison on production, he's kind of like this year's like Javante Williams, where no one was counting on him at the start of the season. And now he's coming out of nowhere and just staking his claim in, in the in the class. Now my RB five of the class is going to be uh, Rashad White. I'm so not good at putting up these banners, man. I keep forgetting to click on them. Uh, Rashad White is a JUCO transfer, three-star JUCO transfer um, to ASU. He uh, led the league last year in yards per kick. It's a shortened COVID season. He didn't get a lot of volume either. He saw 420 yards on 42 carries. So he had 10 yards per carry. Uh, he weighed last year at six, he weighed in at 195, six foot two, claimed that he put on the offseason weight. And when it came time for weigh-ins, he actually did. He put on 15 pounds of muscle. And I hope that continues because I still think he's a little slim for the uh, NFL, but he's getting there. So at six foot two, he's definitely a taller back. Um, for 2021 stats, he's currently at a 32.4% dominant rating with a 4.8 yards per carry. He wasn't going to keep up that 10 yards per carry. And a 21.4% target share. So he is also the leading receiver for this team as well. Um, so just the fact that he's the workhorse right now, as in like he's the workhorse on both sides, is really encouraging. His production profile is great. Um, he has oh, he has to work on his physical strength. I think he can get there. But he is a great second gear, some burst. Um, he has pretty good contact balance for his size. I mean, he can't get low for pad level. He's six foot two. You know, how low can you get? You know, but um, he needs to improve on his pass protection. I think that can be done at the next level, though. It's, it's not atrocious. It's it's just not it's not great. Um, and he he demonstrates lateral agility with his cuts and and speed to beat the linebackers out wide. So he has the ability to run inside and outside, and that's that's a that's a trait that I actually value a lot here because a lot of these coaching schemes that you'll see, I'll talk about Georgia players later, is that they just want to run through the middle with power backs. And, and that's, that's, that's fine if you win your games that way. But as far as like a prospect, I want to know if he has the speed to beat people out wide. I want to know if he has the power to go through the middle. I want to know if he has lateral agility to beat guys in the open field. Um, and it's kind of hard to evaluate guys if they just run through the middle. And Jalen, not Jalen, sorry, Rashard White does this at all levels. And, and and that's what I really like about him is that he has the ability to produce in between the tackles, outside runs, and as a pass catcher. He can do all three. And that's not something that you have really out here too often. Now, this is going to be my first undersized guy. I think he can get 
out of all the undersized guys that are coming out this year, I think he has the best ability to get the highest draft capital. And it's another transfer. It's going to be the, well, Kenneth Walker. But I believe he's the Wake Forest transfer. Um, Kenneth Walker was put on my radar by Matt Bruning, actually, of of C2C. Go ahead and check those guys out. and he's he's smart, man. He's he's two oh six. He's five foot ten, two oh six. Twenty years old. Well, he's about to turn twenty one here pretty soon this season. And he's he's just rocking it this year. He's right now has a thirty three point four percent dominant rating at seven point three yards per carry and a very low target share. So uh, he's he's just he's taking it by storm. He's looking really good on the protection profile. But the problem is that he's not catching balls. He's only caught three the whole year so far. Again, we're only four games in, so that can change. No big deal. But that's probably the role he's going to be relegated to in the NFL is, is catching passes. Um, so, <laughs> sorry. I got distracted. Austin's out here uh, talking to me. Um, Austin's the owner of Campus to Ken, or one of the, one of the co-hosts. Um, let me get back on track. Uh, yeah, Kenneth Walker's just too small, man. He's got quick feet. He doesn't lose momentum when he makes defenders missed. He wastes no time getting a top of acceleration. His overall speed and losing in the field is, is just elite. And I, and I like the guy a lot. But again, the size is not going to correlate over to the next level. Okay, this is college football. Like, he's he's beating teams with weak defenders. And when you get to the NFL, these guys are, are a lot better. You know, I, the worst team in the NFL could probably be Alabama. That might, that might be a tall statement to make. But in the words of Urban Meyer, super wise, every single game he plays is like playing Alabama because that that's how talented these guys are. So size does matter at the next level. All right, so my RB7, uh, you can call this a homer pick, and, and that's okay. Um, I have Chris Rodriguez of uh, University of Kentucky here. Um, if you watched his last game, it was pretty sticky. He's, he's fumbled the ball three times this year so far, so I'm, I'm not too excited about him. Uh, he's five foot eleven, two twenty four. So he he's a power back size with speed, and that's that's what I think will translate over to the next level. He's a twenty eight point six percent dominant rating with six yards per carry and six point five percent target share. Um, yeah. So Benny Snell came through here. I think Benny Snell was a fourth round draft pick four years ago, and I think Chris Rodriguez is the next man up. And I think Chris Rodriguez has a better profile than Benny Snell does. Um, he does have the ability to pass. Or it's not fast to catch. He only had one catch last year. Kentucky's really not known for quarterback play, but on the one catch last year, he the ball was thrown behind him. He he adjusted his body. He made the catch, and not only on top of that, he made the first man miss and then gained about 12 yards on the pass. Um, so he he does have like flashes of ability to be a, a guy at the next level, and that's what we're looking for. He just needs to clean up those drops. But otherwise, he's he's being productive. He's crushing his competition. He has a lot of tough competition coming ahead. He's got, I believe, LSU, Texas A&M. Anyway, he has four weeks of tough matchups. If he keep up this production and this profile for the next four matchups, I, I think he might move up a couple spots on my draft list. All right, RBA, and I, I truly don't think this guy's going to come out for the draft, is Zonovan Knight. Uh, Zonovan Knight of NC State. Um, He's kind of like the uh, the Aaron Jones, if you would, of college football, where he's very efficient on his limited touches. Um, he finally saw his first like real workhorse role to me uh, last week when he got like 23 carries, but only for 80 yards. It wasn't really encouraging. Um, 
I need to watch more of him as a prospect, but he's he's five foot eleven, two ten, so he's he's got the weight. I wish he put on a little more strength though, because he, he doesn't really show that size on the field. Um, he has a low dominant rating of uh, seventeen point two percent. His yards per carry is six point five, and his target share is six point two percent. So, <laughs> so he he um, I just want to see more out of him. Honestly, I I believe he's pretty good. He's very efficient with his run. Uh, he has great vision. He can spot opportunities to extend runs past the second level. So he's good once he clears the line. Um, and as he stays really not known for, for strong line play. But um, he is coming off a of shoulder surgery, so it's encouraging to see him produce right now. If he has a slow start, I'm not going to hold against him because the game's coming off a of shoulder surgery. Uh, but he's shown promise in the receiving game, and, and I'm excited to see what he does this year. Now, if, if they limit his touches again, I, I don't blame him for waiting another year. It's just to show people more of what he's about. All right, so my RB9, big offseason hype train here, Kyron Williams. Kyron Williams was, I believe, the ACC freshman of the year. Um, he's a five foot nine, a 195, and 21.1 uh, years old. He He's under 200 pounds, right? He's He's tiny. He has great pass protection. He's definitely absolutely putting his body on the line to block these guys, and and, he, and that's great. Like I love the effort. Um, he's had an absolutely slow start to the year. He's got a 27.9% dominant rating with only 3.8 yards per carry with an 8.6% target share. Um, clearly, he's too small to get a workhorse role at the next level. I think he's absolutely going to get drafted. He's absolutely going to have a role in the committee, like no doubt about it. Um, but again, as far as fantasy goes, he's not somebody I'm looking forward to having my roster. I, he's clearly not going to be a first round draft pick, um, in your rookie drafts or in the real draft, but yeah, he works best in the open space. Uh, he has the ability to force aggress to miss rather than break tackles. But when the set defenders do catch him behind the line, he doesn't have the traits or the ability to get back to the line. Like, he doesn't have that fight in him. He's just too small. He, he does his best when he's in open space. Now, RB10, somebody I keep neglecting to put out there on my Twitter, and I'm really impressed with lately, is Tyler Batty. Uh, love the last name, by the way. Absolutely love it. Tyler Batty of uh, Missouri. I don't have his numbers up here, so I'm very sorry. But I know he's five foot eight. I think he's about 200 pounds. Um, he, lo he looks great this year. He's absolutely great. He's, he's dominated his competition. Um, his, he has a great pass profile. I think he's the leading receiver. I have to check this, actually. Uh, I don't want to make the same. I was going to say he's the leading receiver in Missouri, but I'm not exactly sure. But Tyler Batty is, is is looking good. He's a senior. Hasn't done much his first three years. Um, I think he's draftable. And I think he'll get on a roster, but again, as a pass catching back. But he's actually been operating as a workhorse role right now. And he's in the SEC, which is where a lot of talent comes from at the next level. So if he can as an undersized back, if he can just continue to produce as a workhorse, even against like tough competition, like if he plays Alabama or if he plays, you know, uh, Georgia, like those tough defenses. If you guys, if those guys can flash production against like those type of defenses, I'm all about. Them. Like I'm in. I will not. I'm not that in, but you know, I'm not gonna brush them to the side because of their size. So those those are my top tens. I'm just gonna go through them again. It's gonna be Brees Hall. I'd say it's filler. Those are my top two. I, I believe they're going to be locked in, like, you know, first and second running backs off the board. Uh, and then these guys that I believe that can have second round draft capital, second 
day draft capital. Tyler Algier, Zach Charbonneau, uh, Rashad White, Kenneth Walker, undersized, not a fan. All right, Chris Rodriguez and Zonovan Knight. Um, and just to put this in a little more context here, last year we had five running backs go in the first two days of the draft. And the had a brain fart. This year before that, it was nine. The year before that, it was seven. So you're looking at like an average of, of seven running backs a year getting that day one or two draft capital, which is what you want to target. Because again, that means that teams are actually scheming them to be a part of their team. They're not just, oh, they fell in the rankings and we'll just grab them up and we'll figure it out later. These are the actual guys that actually have plans for their rosters. So only seven running backs are getting this draft capital. Again, just averages, it's just ballparking it. Um, and this class is to me deeper than last year's class. Last year's class was Najee Harris. He's a lock stud. Um, I was a big fan of Javante Williams. He was my RB1 for the class last year. And then you had Travis Etienne. If you're into that guy, I wasn't. I didn't really see it. I, I thought he had poor vision. We'll never know. He has an injury now. So, you know, we'll never know. And then you had Trey Sermon, who had no production his whole sophomore year, had a transfer of schools because he lost his job to Kenny Brooks, who we'll talk about in a second. Then he goes to Ohio and he does nothing all year. And then he looks really good against the top two defenses in the league. And then he gets hurt. So he had two good games out of like two years. Um, so it, it wasn't really encouraging for me to see that. I can't remember who the last guy was last year that got drafted early on. Uh, maybe it was just four. Okay, this is move on. So I'll, I'm going to now just talk briefly about some names that missed my list. They're still on my radar. Absolutely. I'm not, you know, pushing them off to the side too much. They're just kind of lingering around. The first guy I'm going to talk about is um, CJ Verdell of Oregon. Now, he's a senior. He's five foot eight, 211, so he's kind of hitting that size. He's around the line, though. He's 22.1 years old, so he's on the older side for prospects. He's a 27.7% dominator rating. He has a 5.6 yards per carry and 8% target share. So he is a workhorse right now for Oregon. Um, I believe he has great straight line speed and explosiveness. Um, but his best year producing has been with uh, current Chargers quarterback. It's going to come to me in a second. Justin Herbert, thank you for anybody that was saying that inside their head. Justin Herbert was his best year with that line, with Penny Sewell as his, as his offensive lineman, too. Um, since then, his position profile hasn't been the same. I haven't really seen any improvement. Uh, I think his vision has gotten better. His blocking has gotten better, especially that. Um, but besides that, I don't think he's really improved too much, and I don't think he has like the elite athleticism to take it to the next level. Uh, you know, if he puts on more weight, I don't. He has a small frame, so I don't think that weight that weight will slow him down. Um, which I think is what he. I mean, he has a speed. If you have speed, like that's your thing. You have to find a way to put on that weight without losing speed. So I, I believe that his upside is capped. Now, other guys throw off my list is another uh, off-season hype train. Is is Eric Gray? Eric Gray transferred from Tennessee, like everybody else and their mom transferred from Tennessee uh, to Oklahoma. Um, and I called out over the offseason that he's going to split carries with Kenny Brooks, who I'll also talk about here in a second. Uh, and that's exactly what happened. It's, it's a 40-60 it's a split. Kenny Brooks is getting the majority of the workload because, you know, he was on Oklahoma before, so he's familiar with the scheme. And Eric Gray has absolutely no ability to pass protection. He, he's terrible. He's absolutely awful. 
at pass pro and and that elusiveness that shiftiness that almost Kyron Williams has where he's just great at uh sorry that he's just great in the open field and he's just he's just not showcasing that at all this year he, he is showcasing like zero ability to be elite um and so I don't think he's going to come out this year because his numbers are so bad and he can't transfer again because Kenny Brooks is in front of him. They're both juniors. So hopefully Kenny Brooks goes to the draft so that Eric Gray can get the majority role and hopefully showcase. Otherwise, I believe Eric Gray is just going to kind of fade into the distance there. Um, let me just go over Eric Gray's numbers, though. Eric Gray is, I think, five foot ten, and I believe he's 205 pounds. 21 years old. He's probably close to 22 now. Um, he had 5.1 yards per carry last year. Uh, I, he has the like the height. He just needs to add like five more pounds of strength, which I wish I think he can do. Unlike some people like Kyron Williams and C.J. Verdell, I don't think they can add on that strength without losing other traits. But I believe Eric Gray can put on that weight without losing speed or anything like that. Another name that fell off here is is uh, South Carolina's. Well, no, you know, let me just stick with Oklahoma here. Uh, it's Kenny Brooks. Kenny Brooks to me is an old school bulldozer type. He's gonna make his own hole he's gonna find the hole or he's gonna make it that that's the type of guy he is now he does have some sort of pass catching profile but when you watch the film on this pass catching they're just dump offs um just thrown in front of him he just basket catches it no big deal it's not like he has to adjust for these balls or he's running routes out there um but Kenny Brooks is an old school bulldozer and again he's now splitting carries he took the year off so he's probably knocking the rust off from COVID and 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 now he, he looks like nothing special i mean the whole oklahoma offense looks like nothing special everyone's waiting for oklahoma to actually produce the way they're ranked but like i i think at, at this moment in time i think nobody in oklahoma has business being ranked in the top 10 and and none of their pass catching weapons are really that exciting none of their offensive weapons are exciting at all so kennedy brooks he's also a junior um, if he sticks around a year, I think that's going to kill Eric Gray's value altogether. If he transfers out, I mean, good luck to him. I don't know where he'd go, but and I also don't know why he would transfer out. But, yeah, so that's it for Eric Gray. Uh, now, the other one here, that I was high on preseason. Um, he was my RB5 preseason, so he's really fallen for the ranks for me, Or is Kevin Harris. Uh, Kevin Harris had it coming out once the five-star freshman, Marshawn Lloyd, uh, toward an ACL, which gave Kevin Harris the workhorse role. Um, I do believe teams like Kentucky and South Carolina are trying to have a mirror. I guess I'm calling it a mirror. A mirror of, of Georgia's pretty much role, where they just have constant running backs rotating through. They're a run-first team with a great defense, and I believe that's the way that Kentucky and South Carolina are trying to do, trying to make their team. Anyway, moving forward, Kevin Harris is a three-star recruit. He is... 5'10", 225. He had a 45.8% dominator last year with a 6.2 yards per carry and 9.5% target share. So he absolutely, the, the offense went through him. He absolutely dominated. He looked great out there. He um, He's a big boy that can move. Showed some elusiveness in the open field. He just wasn't consistent. So he would destroy teams with weak defenses. But like on teams like Alabama, he would just totally disappear and just be a complete non-factor and couldn't get anything going. Um, which again, it's, it's a top defense against the South Carolina O-line. But the point is that he showcased and flashed abilities to be a workhorse, and he was somebody to watch. Now, this year, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but he looks terrible. He looks absolutely terrible. He's not a part of the game plan. They brought in a JUCO transfer who's who looks good, 
and Marshawn Lloyd is back too, and Marshawn Lloyd is working back into the offense. Um, so we'll see what Kevin Harris does this year. I, I assume he'll probably come out though. He'll come out or he'll transfer schools. One of those two. Um, some deeper guys, Zamir White, for everyone of you Georgia fans out there that think that you guys are just, you know, the best thing since French toast, sliced bread. French toast is better than sliced bread though. Um, Zamir White had torn two ACLs. Um, he's absolutely nothing special to me. Oh my gosh, my dog just ripped out my headset. Uh, yeah, sorry. Zamir White tore two ACLs, and that's the reason why I'm afraid of him. His freshman year, nothing special. Sophomore year, nothing special. Junior year is when he finally starts producing a bit. Uh, he's five foot eleven, two seven, two fifteen, and Georgia's like run scheme is always go through the go through the middle, and so he just bounces off tacklers. He has great contact balance. He showcases some power, but I I can't gauge his speed, his ability in the open field because I don't ever see it. I, I never see it. It's not there. It just doesn't exist. So, yeah, Zamir White is just a guy to me. Um, his last year numbers are 24.5% Dom. He has a 5.4 yards per carry and 2.9% target share. That's last year, by the way. So, um, and he's nowhere to be seen this year. I think he has to come out. He's a senior this year. I'm sure he'll get picked up because there's the Georgia name attached to him. Uh, I'm, I'm not expecting anything big out of him. Uh, Raymond Davis, uh, this, this name got added to my list, uh, again, cause of my friend, Matt Bruning on C2C kind of brought it to my, my attention, uh, went to Temple, transferred to Vanderbilt. So he went to a better division, but a really bad team. And, um, he, he looked like a human joystick his, uh, freshman year. He looked great. Um, I believe he was, he got a lot of awards his freshman year. I have it right here. Uh, he was 2019 first team freshman All-American, according to PFF. Uh, that was 2019. Now, his sophomore year, he absolutely fell off. And I couldn't even tell you why he fell off. He just did. Um, I, it was a COVID season. Uh, and then he transferred to Vanderbilt. And he's just not looking good. Um, he's looking for a revival. He's in a tougher competition area. So I think it's a good move to do that. I just, to, to go to, to SEC, I just think it was the wrong team. And, um, He's just not looking good. He's five foot nine, two ten, so has a size. He's he is very shifting to open field, but Vanderbilt's just gonna let him get pummeled. I mean, there's there's no way anybody on Vanderbilt can look good. There just isn't. So I mean, his his best bet is to look good at the Senior Bowl or look good at the Combine or both. But if he doesn't look good at those two places, I'm not I'm not looking in his direction at all. Uh, I'm going through two more running backs here. Uh, we have Mohammed Ibrahim. I got a lot of a lot of a lot of hate online for putting him down as my preseason RB thirteen. Um, he's a super productive college quarterback. He looks great. Um, he torched up Ohio State's defense. So far, it looks like everybody is this year. Uh, but he's he's a three star recruit. He was a twenty eighteen All Big Ten team uh, ten honorable mention. He was he's just a really productive volume field guy. He averages I think twenty five touches per game. Uh, five foot ten, two ten. He's twenty three years old, and he had a almost a fifty percent dominant rating last year. And he was probably going to repeat that this year. Um, he has a lot of miles on him too. So the thing is that I just think he lacks athleticism. Now, to me, when I look at film and I evaluate running backs, the ability to create on their own is is a really big deal to me. Um, that means that if I if you watch a highlight, right, and you watch you watch um, 
like a like a like an out wide maneuver where like linebackers get free of the line and not linebackers excuse me linemen get free of the line they they block a linebacker and then you have like another lineman like somehow downfield blocking like corners or safeties that's not a running back highlight that's that's a lineman highlight like you I think people have to understand that and I saw a lot of that from Mohamed Ibrahim like he would run off a twenty yard run which is great. But it's his lineman getting to the second level, making those blocks. And all he would have to do is make one man miss, maybe two men miss, and that's it. And and he would fail at that. He would fail at making a man miss because he'd be following his blockers, which is fine. But he has to recognize when to not follow his blockers. And, and, and you know, because a lineman's not as fast as a running back, like he shouldn't be at least. And he has to recognize when to do that. And I just don't think he had the decision-making for it. Look, this is all for not anyway, because he tore an ACL. Um, he's a senior. He's going to be forced to come out for the draft. He's coming off an injury. I don't think teams are going to touch him with high draft capital because of the injury, because they don't want to roll the dice. They, they don't want to roll the dice on, on him not being able to bounce back from that injury. So Mohamed Ibrahim, I, I'm saying there's like a 0% chance he gets day one or day two draft capital, so he's actually just off my board. Uh, but he he was looking like a nice hot start to the season. I was looking forward to reevaluating him during the year and at the end of the year, probably going to move up my draft board. But now we will never get to see that. We'll never see his senior year and see his improvement. Now, the last running back doing this for Austin, um, <laughs> probably have to move him up my draft board. I haven't watched a single game of his this year, but he was my preseason RB, uh, RB15 is Jerome Ford. Jerome Ford is an Alabama transfer to University of Cincinnati. He, he is all speed. Um, he's 5'11", 215. He's 22 years old. Uh, it wasn't too involved last year. It was a 14.1% dominator rate with a 6.6 yards per carry and a 3.7% target share. And this year, just to give it little comparison stakes, he has a 29.1% dominator so far for the year. Yards per carry is down to 6, and his target share is down to 3.4, so that's not really too encouraging. But Jerome Ford has really great straight line speed, and he's looking good right now in college, at least in the box scores. And I haven't gotten to watch his film tape or anything like that. Um, again, Alabama transfer, so he had that nice pedigree coming out of high school, but transferred to uh, University of Cincinnati. So that's not too encouraging. But we'll see how he looks at the end of the year, and we'll reevaluate. Again, the NFL, though, is so enamored by speed. Um, a great fit for him, honestly, would be a late round pick to San Francisco. San Francisco, who's always hurt from one, um, two. It looks like their running back core is always going towards speed. Um, like Matt Breida, uh, Raheem Mostert, uh, Elijah Mitchell. All those guys are speedsters. Uh, Trey, Trey Sermon, who's not doing well right now, not a speedster. Um, yeah, so those are the running backs on my watch list. My my top though, uh, I think that, that can be workhorses again. Brees Hall, Isaiah Spiller, Tyler Algier, Zach Charbonneau, and Rashad White. And honestly, Brees Hall is probably going to be the 101 in your rookie drafts for single quarterback leagues. Maybe Isaiah Spiller. And again, just to go over the metrics that matter to us is draft capital, burst score, dominator rating, yards per carry, target share, and size. Size does matter at the NFL. Okay. All right, guys, that's going to be it for me. Um, thanks for tuning in to Dynasty Kings. Thanks for tuning in to my 2022 watch list. Next week, I'll probably talk about tight ends. Not looking forward to it. Not a tight end guy. But I'm going to throw some names out there for you guys to, to keep an eye out for. And some metrics, too, of course.
right, thanks for checking in. I'll see you guys later.